0: Hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the day-to-day live. Day off and I still can't get my words out. Going very well, this. Uh, Matt Furness and Graham Bell here. Thank you very much for joining us on our YouTube, Twitch and Twitter accounts. And of course, those of you listening on the podcast as well, I really do appreciate all of you taking your time out to come and join us. We've got a lot to get through today, Matt. So uh, I don't think we should mess around any further. Don't forget to play the Opta Challenge, of course. That's on theanalyst.com. But we'll dive into that a little bit more because I think we need to look back at Portugal's Absolutely outstanding performance yesterday at times, already through to the last 16, not the quarterfinals, Serie A England. Uh, and uh, it's a very good moment to welcome Aaron Barton onto our show as ever, one of our great writers that we have over on the Opta Analyst to really uh, break this one down. So, uh, yeah, pleasing result last night.
1: Very pleasing, I think. I've got a bigger smile on me face than compared to when I was faced on uh, when I was full of apprehension and, and nerves and anxiety. Yeah, it was it was just a I thought it was a professional performance. They had to sort of ride the luck at times, and and get a little bit of luck at the other end of the pitch as well. And and as you say, Portugal, have qualified for the round of 16. The first time they've won the opening two games of a group stage in the World Cup since 2006, which is um, which is something in itself. After Couple of disappointments in the last few tournaments, so yeah, full of positivity, full of optimism. Not too focused on on the negative aspects of the performance, but more so the Portugal are through. That's the main thing, and hopefully they can make it three out of three and top the group.
2: You talk about there, you're one of uh, only a few, a handful of teams to have won both your games so far. Only Brazil and France have done so as well. In the last two World Cups, we we saw seven teams in both tournaments win the first two games. How much do you think that's down to the overall quality of teams in this tournament actually being better, the bars being raised? Or do you think it's down to like timing during the season as well? Or do you think it's just a a weird quirk on that one?
1: To be honest, it it could be a bit of both. I think when you're looking at a lot of people, lots of people have been talking about it, maybe a decreasing quality in the top teams and the fact that a lot of these top international sides have got noticeable. Weaknesses that the sort of weaker teams can then exploit. But then I think you've also got to give credit to, to the, the shocks that have happened in the tournament. The fact that these lower ranked nations are able to go out and pull off these shocks, which then, uh, you know, causes these teams to not be able mm. to go on and win two and three games in the group.
2: Um, yeah, you talk about that one. Mauricio Potaccino on BBC, I think it was yesterday or the day before, before one of the games, was talking about preparation ahead of the tournament. So normally you'd have four or five weeks with your team. Someone like Argentina may have only had seven to ten days ahead of that. So that allows teams, like maybe Saudi Arabia, who were spent a month together before the tournament, they they broke the Saudi Pro League up to actually get really organised, devise a strategy to make it as hard as possible for those teams. And it, it paid off for them, didn't it, in that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, <clears throat> the longer you're together as a group, obviously there's the stuff that you're working on on the training pitch. But then... It's also just being together as a group, video analysis, studying, studying teams, studying weaknesses. Uh, you you aren't just coming off the back of getting your head filled by your club with opposition mm-hmm. analysis and stuff for the what's going on in your domestic league. You then go into the World Cup, and as you say, seven, eight days later, Portugal played a match against Nigeria, and four or five days later, we're in the World Cup. So you do feel like you've got less time to prepare. I mean, whether they've being handed out sort of assignments while they've been on club duty to get up to speed. I'm not too sure. I'm not in the know on that. But I definitely think it is It is a bit of a a difference, this World Cup, being at the time that it's on, that it's a lack of preparation. And then, as you say, the teams that are able to maybe prepare for a little bit longer have I've reaped the benefits.
2: Back back to Portugal uh, and last night's match winner. We Last time we talked, uh, before the tournament, we talked about Bruno Fernandes and how... His, actually, his build up this year so far for Portugal, he's been quite a strong player for them. Added two more goals last night. Uh, one if you're Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, but yeah, two if you're <laughs> everyone else. Um, that's seven goals in 11 appearances this year for uh, Bruno Fernandes. His, bet, his previous best year was four in a calendar year. Uh, the next high scorer for Portugal this year is Ronaldo on three. So, Fernandes, his impact in that team uh, has been pretty impressive this year, hasn't it? And, and do you think that he is that? The match winner in that side now.
1: Yeah, I think he's he's definitely established himself as as that. I think when when we last spoke, spoke about perhaps how he was perceived back in Portugal as well. Uh, whenever he sort of pulled on a Portugal shirt, he never seemed to be able to find that sort of high gear that he that he was at, at sporting and then obviously at Man United. And, you know, there was times where he was in and out the side, he wasn't starting in big games. And um, perhaps, perhaps at times, too much of a risk taker for, for Fernando Santos, and then also the fact that it felt like he, he was trying too hard when he was on the pitch. It was all a bit <coughs> hero ball at the time. I, at times, it was all a bit like I need to prove myself. I, now, well, recently, since before the playoff, I mean, because he was he was instrumental in getting Portugal to the World Cup in that game against North Macedonia, scored both goals. Uh, and then the games, sort of since the game against Nigeria, again, scored uh, scored twice, I think. Um, he's just been getting a lot more sort of involved and a lot more, he looks a lot more at home in the team. It doesn't look like he's overawed at all. It's, it's sort of like he's comfortable with becoming this sort of talisman. And obviously the elephant in the room is always going to be, you've got Ronaldo on the pitch and the conversation between sort of them two when they were at Man United together, obviously Ronaldo has now left. In terms of oh, Fernandez's performances of dips in Ronaldo arrived there sort of statistically. That has been a big one, I think, for him to overcome. But he, he definitely looks a lot more at home. He was trying to make things happen last night for, for Portugal. He was driving them up the pitch. Some of his long passing in the World Cup so far, both in the game against Ghana and last night. has been superb in terms of switching, switching the play up, switching the flanks. Um, playing those diagonals in over the top for, for the likes of Joao Felix and Ronaldo to run onto, it really gives Portugal a, another dimension uh, with his passing range and then obviously he was, he was on hand to, uh, to convert the, the late penalty as well and, and sew up the victory
2: A penalty that never was um, It was the, <laughs> obviously the worry that a lot of people have for this Portuguese side is that it's centred so much around Cristiano Ronaldo and his personal quest for more World Cup goals. I mean, he's on eight now, one mm. behind Eusebio uh, for all-time top scorers in World Cup history for Portugal. He didn't get that goal last night and it doesn't look like he's going to get it. Seeing from Adidas have released data today saying that there's no touch on the ball. Uh, it's like cricket and a snippet sort of thing, isn't yeah. it? it was, uh, yeah, it was, I think the worry from externally, uh, from people that aren't in Portugal or Portuguese fans, is that there's too much centred around Ronaldo and actually that can hold back this Portuguese side, it's it's a stronger side with better players overall than that Euro 2016 team that won the tournament. Um, So it shouldn't really be like that anymore, should it? It's not all about Ronaldo. He he isn't, okay, I'm not going to say he's not the best player in that team, because on paper, it's hard to argue historically that he isn't. But there are world superstars in that side now, a lot more of them than used to be.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, I think a lot of the the outside noise is, has sort of made the team a lot more, like, not as harmonious as it, as it actually is because all the noise that comes out of the Portugal camp is that they're very together. They're a very together group. They're playing as a collective. You know, they have there's good banter amongst sort of the players. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to really be that problem. Every player that came out and spoke in the media has obviously spoken about Ronaldo with that. They are also, you know, a collective, a collective unit, and we have saw so far in the in this World Cup that Ronaldo's coming off, coming off the pitch as well. He's not playing the full, well, hundred minutes in in some World Cup games. He, he's, I think, last night he came off around the eighty minute mark, uh, so obviously missed, and then the penalty in the other time and stuff. And he's just on the bench, and he's 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 happy to cheer the side on, and obviously he's a player that wants to be on the pitch. But I think Fernando Santos. Knows that he can't stay on the pitch for the the entirety of the game, or knows that when it's time, Ronaldo will be happy to come off the pitch. And it, you know, it, I do think it's something that the the international media and like the English media as sort of they make it seem a lot worse than what it actually is. And obviously, Portugal do play it's to an easy Ronaldo.
2: Story, isn't it? It's it it is. Story.
1: It is, and it's a player who's who, who who made his name in England. It's a player who who has got ties to England, obviously, um, throughout his career. A lot of the controversy in his career has, has been when he's playing in England or playing against England or you know coming out and having jabs against former England players. And it, it, all, it all sort of seems to to fuel up the sort of fire in the, in the English media. But Portugal, yeah, they do play to Ronaldo at times, but they, they haven't as much in this World Cup. I think in the first game against um, Ghana, they were trying to. They weren't just pumping balls in the box. They were trying to play sort of through the lines. They were trying to get the likes of Bernardo Silva, Joao Felix on the ball, and Ronaldo would sort of drop deep, put a couple of touches in, and then and then sort of move back to the box. And they might not, you know, they might not have really performed excellently so far at the tournament. But it, it it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a team that is putting all of its energy into Ronaldo, despite what people had. What you to th- want you to think. I mean, last night, it certainly, it certainly wasn't. It was more attempts at trying to sort of interplay. You know, they had lots of possession, I think 70% in the first half. The only real issue is that they didn't create enough quality chances and that Uruguay actually had the, the best chance in that first half. But I do think that this is a team that are, are comfort- is comfortable with the talent that it's got amongst its ranks. And Ronaldo isn't just another player, it's, it's Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously. But there definitely seems to be an understanding between the players and Cristiano himself of what would benefit the team better and most, and Cristiano's is obviously going to ch- chase the records because that's, that, that, that's the type of player he is, I mean he, he came out and said, you know I don't chase the records, the records chase me well that, that's that's not true, because he does chase records, because he's that. that's what's put him at the top level throughout his entire career, is that He's always on to the next. He's on to the next. Okay, you know, you score five hundred goals. Now he wants six hundred. He scored seven hundred. He wants eight hundred. Sort of. That's the player he, he he is. But as long as the problem as it he's doesn't...
2: got is that every time he hits a new landmark, Pele just adds on five more goals from a Brazilian <laughs> Sunday league team. <laughs> yeah. uh, In his backyard. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we, talk, no, that... we talk about Portugal there overcoming some really difficult hurdles. Uruguay, and Ghana, two teams that are strong, um, and you you overcame those. All bit, a little bit luckier in the first game after what happened in injury time. Yeah. are adding another guest in here, Areku, our uh, Ghanaian superstar, super fan. How happy are you after yesterday?
3: It was, it was incredible. I, I can't describe the last 10 minutes. It was, I don't want to experience that again. That's the best thing <laughs> I can say. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, a it real was... moment, you know, like everyone. People could barely watch.
2: It was it was a must-win game, really, wasn't it? Ahead of that final group game against Uruguay, which we'll come on to later. You can see there the momentum graphic yeah. we've got. Injury time completely <laughs> dominant uh, by Korea, but actually throughout the game there wasn't a massive swing of momentum for Ghana, apart from that period where they got the two goals in the first half. A lot of it was really fast counter-attacking football that was quite impressive on the eye. Actually, South Korea did bombard you with crosses a lot. They had uh, 15 success, uh, successful crosses in that match, which is actually a World Cup record since 1966. 35, it was a, a David Moyes-style performance when he was at Man United uh, for flying those crosses in. It was a plan that worked for two of their goals, um, but other than that, Ghana dealt pretty well with that, didn't they, at the back?
3: Yeah, I would say it's a bit, it's a bit surprising because... It, it wasn't strange to see them trying to attack us using their, their width. You know, during the press conference, uh, one of the midfielders did say that if, if Ghana had a weakness, it would be through our laterals, and that's what they're going to try and do during the game. And so, after I saw the lineup and I realized that, you know, Toado had made changes to his full backs, brought in Tariq Lamte to replace Ali Duseidu and then give you for Babaraman, the assumption was that he knew what was coming. And probably thought these guys would be more aggressive in terms of trying to close down these bases and stop the crosses. But all you didn't know was the 2v1s that were coming. And, you know, those midfield runs into wide areas that really troubled Ghana. And unfortunately, we couldn't deal with a couple of them, which I thought that it just highlights a problem that we have in the team. We may not have been punished, you know, yesterday. But heading into the game against Uruguay, that's maybe one thing that we have to probably think about if you look at the game against Portugal we considered two goals in a space of like five minutes and then against Korea within the space of three minutes we considered two very very Mm. similar and so it highlights you know I think it's sometimes lack of leadership lack of concentration and those are some of the issues that I think the team has to fix but apart from that positive result a lot of good things to take especially that second goal with how the team worked out.
2: Earlier this year, you did a great article for us on Mohamed Koudis, um highlighting how well he's doing at Ajax um, and how big a star he could be for Ghana. Yesterday, uh, he showed that promise in the World Cup uh, with two goals, the first of which came after a move with 31 passes. That's the longest goal move for a World Cup goal by Ghana ever. Um, Jordan Ayew played <laughs> a key part in those two goals, uh, the first yeah. two goals, sorry, for Ghana. This goal, a lovely ball into the box. There was some kind of. There's been a bit of criticism out there about Jordan Ayew and yeah. the position he fills. I remember we talked about it last time as well. He, his role in that team's, sometimes a bit, confusing. But yesterday he really showed what he can bring to that side, didn't he?
3: Yeah. After the game, his brother Andrea, you you know, reminded us all of how good Jordan can be. He says that people just sometimes just love to talk bad about his brother, but he knows how quality he can be. And I think he showed that yesterday. The the, the worry is that how consistent can he do this? Like, how can he do this in the next game? Because Jordan always has, you know, a couple of good moments. And then after that, it seems like a bit flat in terms of his performances. So the real challenge to him is carrying this across to the next game. But I think it was a really brilliant performance. Uh, His... His unique trait is slowing down the game and winning fouls and you know, attracting opponents. And we saw that being delivered to profession, uh, adding some you know bits of end product to his game yesterday. And so I think that he had a fantastic game. we we'll probably start again against Uruguay, based on merit and what he achieved in that mm. game. For, for Ahmed Kudus, I, I think he's just going in to become that superstar that we all, we all expected him to be. Maybe he's ahead of the Kev, but I do believe that the start that he had to the season at Ajax, has sort of catapulted his confidence and the self-belief that he has. And we've seen that, you know, translate into the World Cup so far, where he wants to take more responsibility and it's popping up in the right places. And everything seems to be falling into place for him at the moment.
2: So with with Ghana, obviously, having this final group game against Uruguay and having the youngest squad at the World Cup, we talked about the, the need for experienced heads in that team to be able to, keep Ghana focused on that match. It could descend into a bit of chaos. Uruguay have obviously the King of Chaos Darwin Nunez up top. Um, it's one of those games. Are you worried about that the game itself will be such, it's obviously going to be publicized as a revenge yeah. match for, for what happened last time. Do you worry that can get inside the heads of some of the Ghanaian players? And almost the importance of the match might be too much for them?
3: Well, I was speaking to a couple of ex-players and all of them seem to say the obvious that maybe the team shouldn't focus too much on revenge and try and just take it as another game. The most important thing is to qualify. But look, no matter what we all say here and say and know everyone says, the thing is, most of these players loved football 12 years ago and were probably young children. And... Me, for instance, I still remember exactly the point I stood when Suarez, you know, blocked that shot and Jan's penalty hit the crossbar. And so it's a scar within me. It's something that I remember a lot. If you look at the whole 2010 year, it's probably one of the fondest memories that I do have. I don't remember anything else that happened in 2010. So a lot of these players would, would have that memory inscribed straight within their head. And no matter what you would say to them, they would go into that game wanting to prove a point. There would need to be some level of control to the intensity that they approach a game with. One, because we have about four yellow and uh, four players on yellow cards, and if they do end up getting any sort of ball, they could potentially miss uh, the round of 16. So it's up to the technical team and the coach to ensure that the game is controlled and we do have possession. Because once we end up conceding and having to score, and Uruguay trying to frustrate you and all that, and time running out, that's where. The emotions tend to ball. so we would need a lot of control. I think that the best form of having control is to make sure that we possess the ball. That way, so, we're comfortable, and we know that you know everything is within our own hands, and we have our destiny.
2: So, uh, Justin, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm not wrong in saying this. If you finish second in that group, you will probably play, or well, you will play Brazil, won't you? <laughs> so the last thing you want is <laughs> some of your players suspended for that match. So yeah. So we've got here um, our predictions our predictor models, uh, what they think will happen. Sorry, that's the, that's the favourite sort of something, the group predictor uh, for group, uh, Portugal's and Ghana's group. Um, I think we have that. If not, I'll bring it up now. So we've got Portugal, obviously they're through already, 97.94% yeah. chance of getting through as winners of the group. Um, we then have Ghana just behind Uruguay, uh, in our predicted chance of getting to um, the next round. But it's, it's splitting hairs. 46.4% for Uruguay and 43.7% for uh, for Ghana. So it's going to be a close call, whatever. I know what you think is going to happen to and I know you, what you want is going to happen. Aaron, what do you think is going to happen in that final group game between Uruguay and Ghana?
1: I think Ghana will progress. I think Ghana will win the game. Um, I think from watching the game...
2: Has a Reiki threatened you? No, no,
1: you know know what it is. I think just obviously watching the two games yesterday and watching the game against South Korea, obviously, Garner have got some a little bit of naivety in the goals that they've conceded, but there's such energy. And you mentioned Mohamed Kudas there, that was a a player that was linked to the club I support Everton. We were apparently this close to signing him. Safe to say that ship has sailed now. (laughs) Um, and yet Uruguay yesterday, that lots of. I think lots of fouls that went unpunished. There was a tackle from I think it was Vecino on on that was the most blatant yellow card that wasn't given. This is still a, a Uruguay team that that um, that will try and get away with those 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 mm, they're sorts very wily side, aren't they? Yeah, yeah and, no, and the dark hearts. The, the referee for the for the match will obviously be fully aware of sort of the history. And I think if Ghana can get on the ball and start to dictate proceedings and use that sort of useful energy and exuberance that they've got and start to frustrate Uruguay, it can definitely play into the hands. But uh, as you say, I think the worst thing <laughs> would be 1-0 down and then have yeah. to change the game. That's when Uruguay come into their own, really, in terms of they're able to time waste, they're able to frustrate um, but, I, I, honestly, I, I think I think Ghana will progress. Uh, Uruguay had a great chance in the first half yesterday. But, you know, they, 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 they couldn't really do much uh, so on the ball. And then Portugal had, obviously, the
2: dominated possession. Um, I've which... been disappointed with Uruguay in this tournament so far. I I, have, I, 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 I was have... quite excited to watch them play. Uh, admittedly, I haven't seen Suarez play for about a year. And it doesn't look like he's played for about a year, the way he's playing um so uh, yeah, they've been disappointing and Ghana like what I obviously have a, a slightly biased view of Ghana with some friends that are Ghanaian, but I think they they've really brought the energy to this World Cup and they're mm. one of the most exciting teams to watch. You don't really know what you're gonna get from them. Yesterday, I certainly didn't expect that. I, I thought that it would be a lot cagier game than it was. It' would be a lot tighter. They took the game to South Korea and um, they, when they could see those two goals in quick succession, I feared for them. I thought, yeah, that, that's game over. I thought that they're a young side, not able to come back to us. So the momentum is fully with South Korea. To so then go and score that third goal, show the character needed to to get through that game and win it as well. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed with them. And I, I think I hope they can they can win that next, that next next game against
4: Uruguay. Well, I
3: actually think we would. I think we would. I as always it's always good to head into such a crunch game with the advantage of a draw being enough. and so it means that right from the the first whistle, the advantage is like Ghana, it's Uruguay who have to score. But then again, I think our, our players have to be emotionally intelligent and be ready for for war's coming uh, because I know I know it will be difficult, but judging based on the evidence of things that we've seen so far, where how we've seen both teams play Portugal and then South Korea. I think Ghana have looked much better on paper. The only issue is the defence. Conceding five goals in two games is unacceptable. And they are not numbers that usually pose for teams that qualify out of the group. And so that needs some fixing. So far, we've seen a back five, which didn't work out too well. We've seen a back four. I'm wondering whether we're going to get another surprise against Uruguay.
2: Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, both of you. Um, and congratulations on that. Uh... Another win for both your sides yesterday. Hopefully, we'll have some more joy in the next match day as well. So, we'll get in touch and uh, speak to you following those games. And I, I hope you enjoy the Uruguay game, Areku. Um It's <laughs> cool. going to be a tense one for you.
0: Cool.
2: All right. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, guys.
0: Cheers, right. guys. Always a pleasure to catch up with those guys because you know <coughs> what? That insight that's, that sometimes we just need as we go into these final games. Well, I mean, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uruguay have been extremely disappointing at this World Cup so far, and I feel- but it
2: won't matter if they can beat Ghana. No, and, uh, and the, the thing-, thing is, I feel like this Uruguay team have a better chance against Brazil in the next round than Ghana would have. Yeah, I think they need that kind of like um, I don't know. They've got that now, so they've been able to get through those games, haven't they? I don't know they haven't done yeah. it so far against Portugal <laughs> and, and South Korea, but. We've seen it before. They've got some quality. They've got a lot of quality in that side. They just haven't really displayed it yet. If it can come alive in that Ghana game, then who knows what will happen.
0: Why, exactly. Well, if we're talking about sides that are filled with talent, I think it's only fair we talk about our supercomputer favourites. We briefly brought this up earlier on, but let's just bring it up now. After two rounds of the match day here, we are staring at Brazil's chances of winning the World Cup, according to our supercomputer, Increase incredibly. The only side with over a 20% chance. Now, the only side after last night with a one in four chance of winning the World Cup, according to our supercomputer, and a 38.29% chance of reaching mm. the final. Um, looks like France, Spain, England, and Argentina also favored for this one. i like to say joining us now is Augusto from one of our Latin American teams to really help us break this one down. You well, buddy?
4: Yeah, I'm fine. And you?
0: Well, probably not as good as you guys are at the moment because we're yeah. nervous about what on earth England are going to throw out on the pitch, which Matt and I will get to in a minute. But it seems like it's all positive at the moment.
4: Yeah, everything. Everybody here in Brazil is very optimistic with our chances, and I think we we think that we have more than one in a quad, one in four chances of winning the World Cup. So everybody here is like it's a hundred percent chance of winning. And even more because of those two games against very difficult op- opponents, like Serbia and Switzerland, they were not easy. And Brazil managed to go through them without having faced a single shot on target. So everybody is very, with hopes very high here in Brazil. Yeah, you, you talk about those two first two games. We
2: mentioned in the first, uh, after the Serbia game, that we were really impressed with how Brazil got through that game. Serbia are a very difficult side to play against. We saw them cause problems for Cameroon yesterday as well, eventually not winning that match. But again, Switzerland, a very good side. They knocked France out of the European Championships uh, in 2021. Brazil have made it... I mean, they haven't been free-flowing as what we've seen maybe past Brazil teams do. Yesterday, they were unfortunate having a goal disallowed from uh, Vinicius Junior before Casemiro's uh, goal coming off the backside of a Swiss player. But it was another really impressive performance. And we talk a lot about the Brazilian attacking flair they have. They have such a, a wealth of attacking talent on the bench. But so far, that Brazilian defense has been very impressive. Uh, we've almost forgot that Alisson is playing in these matches at times.
4: Yeah, yeah. That uh, is the impression here in Brazil also, that the defense is very well built. And even more with Casemiro in the midfield, He's playing very well. And yeah, the fear here was that since the elimination against Belgium in 2018, Brazil played 50 games before the World Cup. And just one of those was against a European side. It was a 3-1 win against the Czech Republic. (coughs) But everybody, we didn't have the the benchmark of how Brazil would play against a European side and then against serbia no shots on targets faced by brazil and then against switzerland again no shots faced so those that fear of playing against european sides is over now we know that we can face uh, go ahead face to face with the most difficult opponents and play the defense so well like they are playing now we know that like in the knockout stage if you don't concede a goal, you have a very, a very good chance of progressing to the next stage. So this is a very good news that the defense is very well, very solid. And in the attack, we are feeling like it's missing something It's missing. Of course, ne- now Neymar is missing, but in the first game he was there and it was not so good like we expected <laughs> because With Vinicius Jr., Rafinha, Rodrigo, Anthony, Gabriel Jesus, Richardson and Neymar, everybody was expecting, oh my God, this Brazil is going to play all attack. It's going to be four or five goals per game. And we haven't seen that yet. Yet. I think that might come in the next game. Yeah. So
2: we've got you you as a 99% chance of finishing top of the group. So it's pretty much nailed on that you are going to do that. That would mean you would face the second place team which would likely be one of Uruguay or Ghana, what one would you rather face? I'm guessing it would be Ghana, Uruguay knowing Brazil a little bit better.
4: Yeah, Uruguay knows Brazil a little bit better, but in the last few games that Brazil played against Uruguay, Brazil didn't face too many difficulties. Like, it, in the last game, if I remember well, it I think it was 4-1 for Brazil. So it was not a game that Brazil had any problem to win. Of course, World Cup is different from playing a World Cup qualifier, a Copa America, anything like that. But I don't know, if between Ghana and Uruguay, Brazil has already played Ghana in the round of 16 in 2006, with Ronaldo scoring his last goal in World Cups. So it would be a good remembering. But I don't know, the, the fear here was facing Portugal. So Portugal, of course, yesterday when Uruguay was playing Portugal, if Uruguay had scored the opener, we would probably face Portugal in the round of 16. And that was the biggest fear. But now between Ghana and Uruguay, of course, the history between Brazil and Uruguay World Cup is not so good for Brazilians, but we've also won against them sometimes. But I don't know. There is no preference around here. We talked earlier
2: about the absence of Neymar in the last match, obviously being injured in the first game. There's thoughts that maybe his is a little bit worse than some are letting on, and that he might not actually play again in this tournament. In qualification, he was your top goal scorer of eight goals. But that Brazil side scored 40 goals. So there's 32 goals there coming from avenues other than Neymar. So is Neymar's importance in this Brazil side may be overstated a little bit. Um maybe down to his marketable marketable, uh, sort of persona and that actually people want to see him play. He's,
4: He's quite fun to watch, but actually without him, you're just as strong. Yeah, what we saw in the last four years before Qatar is that Brazil learned how to play without Neymar. So between Neymar debut with the national team and 2018, the elimination against Belgium, there was a Neymar dependency of the team. So the critics were all saying, Neymar, Brazil depends too much on Neymar. And now in the last four years, we saw that he didn't play 40% of games. In of those 50 games, he didn't play 40%. So Brazil played a lot without him. We have practice on doing that. And when we see his numbers, of course he's the most important player Brazil has because he scored 18 goals and assisted 20 goals, like 14 more than other players have assisted. But when you see his goals, uh, 12 of those have, been, have come from penalties. So he's more like a playmaker than the, the, the guy that defines the, the play. For that, we have Richardson now that's playing very well in Brazil. So he's playing, he, Richardson plays better in Brazil than he plays in the, his clubs. And Neymar, of course, Brazil is going to miss him because he's the best player we have. But now we feel that we have alternatives. So in 2014, we have, everybody remembers what happened when Neymar got injured. And yeah. I don't like to talk about that, but... <laughs> When Neymar got injured, it was was like a national time of mourning, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, now everything is down." No, and that was the but, issue,
2: wasn't it? There was too much focus on the fact that he wasn't. Yeah, injured,
4: so. yeah, yeah. That's what too much focus, and nobody. We didn't have a player that we could rely on to be like a substitute or not, to, or to take the lead of the team. Like now, we have Vinicius Junior playing very well. Richardson. Casemiro is more on defense, but he's playing very well. We have the defenders that are very experienced in playing World Cups. So the team is more strong. It's not better without Neymar, but it's better than it was before without Neymar. And we saw that the, when Neymar got injured, the talks in Brazil were, were like, remember if 1962. When Pelé got injured and Garrincha was the best player of the tournament. So, of course, Pelé is, Neymar is not Pelé and Vinicius Jr. is not Garrincha. But we are expecting some, somebody to take the lead and be the guy from Brazil in this six, possible sixth World Cup. Time, time for
2: someone to step up. As, as a Watford fan, it's, it's mad for me. Four years ago, I never would have thought a Watford striker would be leading the attack for Brazil in a World Cup might happen again in 4 years with Joao Pedro at Watford uh, causing yeah. waves as well. So we'll see. But um yeah, Brazil've been fantastic so far. We look forward to to seeing how far they can progress in this tournament. And we look forward to chatting to you again hopefully uh, with Brazil Brazil's progression we can we can chat again. Thank you very much for yeah. joining us today Augusto. You're welcome. Thank you. Sure. Augusto,
0: thanks very much. I mean, the obligatory Watford mention on the podcast, It's it, it worth, worth saying here
2: though. I wanted to just make sure Augusto had heard of how Pedro. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. be there on that
2: one. But we've <coughs> maybe also maybe people got, in Brazil don't care about him.
0: But we've also got to think the the, the big news of yesterday: Reading versus Watford FA Cup third round tie. Yeah, that is the, the
2: one that everyone will be watching. I've, the the El Furnisico,
0: I think they're calling it. Yes. I right then. Uh, I think it's only fair that we're going to spend a little five minutes now just chatting about England versus Wales tonight, obviously.
4: Mm. Contrasting
0: fortunes from England after the first game. That 6-2 victory over Iran, I think, built expectations up very highly. And <laughs> the 0-0 draw against the United States uh, sort of crushed them a little bit. But it, I've, one thing that I found really interesting, you shared this out on the uh, Opta Analyst Twitter account earlier on, was the playing styles of teams so far at this year's World Cup tournament. And I think this, Mm. the minute I saw this, I found this interesting because you can obviously see England, for those of you watching on YouTube, Twitch and Twitter, you can see England further along to the right-hand side, which means that they have more of a slow and intricate style of play in that bottom right. And immediately I turned around to you and I said, well, hang on here. Is Is there anything like that in terms of Premier League teams? Is there anything like, is this what England playing completely out of the ordinary for them, and they're sort of having to learn something new. And you said,
2: well, it's kind of a bit Man City-ish. Man City are far, yeah. They're uh, in that bottom right corner for the Premier League by quite some distance. Um, and it makes you laugh that England play like that, but arguably our most creative player who plays for Manchester City, uh, Phil mm. Foden, isn't getting a look-in. So, yeah, w- it'll be good to see him tonight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Spanish, tiki-taka, what, what's English tippy tappy Someone put... If I tell you what, I think that's probably
0: if you've got suggestions, tweet <coughs> me at opta Analyst. We're all across our mentions at the moment. It's well worth the best one. You never know. We might we might adopt it as our phrase. You might be the new bounce back ability of 2022.
2: Who knows on that front? So you reckon Foden plays tonight? I don't reckon he plays, no. I'd like to see him play. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't like, We're not through. It's not like this is very similar. I say we, England, sorry. Um <laughs> It's very similar to the last Euros. We, we played well and beat Croatia 1-0 in the opening game. Okay, it wasn't similar to the Iran game in that we were free-flowing and scored so many goals. The second game was then a disappointment because we drew 0-0 with Scotland at Wembley. Scotland actually played better than us that day and could have arguably deserved to win, similar to the US game. We then won our third group stage game against the Czech Republic 1-0. Slightly different in that we'd already qualified before that that game because three the top three pretty much went through in all the groups. I mean, for us not to qualify tonight would be a monumental disaster on the scale of probably the worst we've ever seen by mm. England. Don't we have to lose by four goals to Wales? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, quite, Which, it's quite a shit. Just be realistic, yeah. probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past Wales beating us tonight. They'll be no. fired up for this one. I don't think it's a good Welsh side. I think it's in a transitional phase mm. where they're, they're still... It almost feels like they owe Bale and Ramsey World Cup appearances because of what they've done over time. don't really disagree with that.
0: But they've oh, got some really
2: good young talent coming through. Yeah, um, like Brennan Bale's Johnson hot. should be paying a lot more in this World yeah. Cup, for example. And Bale um, at
0: the moment, very much, I, I love the description of him as kind of a special teams player. And we're seeing that with just how few touches of the ball he's getting for that Welsh side at the moment. He really is out there. The trouble is, it, it's Gareth Bale. He, he, he will get these... Magical and he moment. can still
2: do something, yeah. That's yeah. The thing You're always in the back of your mind. You'll think, oh, he can pop in a free kick from 35 yards or just smack one in the top corner from yeah. open play. That will happen tonight, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think England, I know I said that. I thought they beat USA comfortably yeah, 3-0, I, I think I said. But I, I still think they can win comfortably tonight. I think they've got something to prove. And actually that 0-0 against the USA will help them. It resets expectations a little bit. We all got a bit carried away after the Iran game because it was so impressive. It was, we weren't used to seeing that kind of free-flowing, attacking football yeah. from an England team in a tournament with so many good young players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting to not see if he plays Harry Kane because there's, there's arguments of like, well, his ankles maybe got a little bit of a knock. We don't know too much there. But he hasn't scored yet. He needs a goal to build up his confidence. So do we risk... Possible injury for going further throughout the tournament to give Harry Kane some confidence ahead of the knockout stages when we don't even know if he will score tonight or play yeah. well. Or do we give someone like Marcus Rashford a chance? I, I think it will probably... I think mean, you've got arguments for both, haven't you? We we yeah. would we play so differently without Harry Kane, so what, is that going to actually affect our preparation for a possible last 16 match? Yeah. against? It could be the Netherlands, let's, let's face it. We'll know by the time we play... Wales tonight. Um, <coughs> there's a lot, of, yeah, a lot of questions to be answered. Tonight
0: yeah, cause... it's kind of it's, it is strange. We're coming into this first game, and after game one, I think there were no questions about this England team. And now, it's all the usual thoughts and feelings about this England team at World Cup tournaments coming out. And obviously, Southgate's finding himself under quite a bit of pressure. I think again, and mm. and the big the... one for me
2: is Kyle Walker. I think he needs minutes before he's our best right-back against the top-class player. If we were to play a Brazil mm-hmm. in the knockout stages, yeah. he is going to cope much better with players like Vinicius Jr. or Mbappe for France yeah. than I think Kieran Trippier would. So yeah. I think he needs minutes now to enable him. You don't want him to be coming no, into a game mean... like that without any game time. Um...
0: And then I, I, do, I do wonder about Trippier. Like, I know that there is...
2: I thought he was dreadful Against USA I liked Yeah it. I thought he was poor he was really a player, But I thought he was Really poor He was our poorest player And I'm
0: trying to put Not this Into Mason. words here you, you could see at times Saka was getting frustrated That there was
2: nothing Up the outside of him Saka was mm. doing Those little
0: darts in But how done. much
2: of that Was down to Southgate Because we saw that In yeah, the Scotland true. game as well I remember being infuriated By Rhys James in that game In the same position Yeah Because he wasn't going Past the halfway line Every time he would get Near the halfway line Or anywhere near The final third He'd check back Yeah Um and I don't know how much of that was down to instruction from Southgate and the way to play, or actually James not wanting the bomb on. My feeling is it was probably Southgate because we know it's Southgate. But then you compare that not a negative manager, but, yeah, but then you it's compare safety that, first.
0: But then you compare that to Luke Shaw, who I think has been pretty decent on the left hand side, for England, in getting forward and offering that outlet on the outside. I know there's I know yeah. there's talk today that Bellingham is gonna get dropped and maybe you're gonna see Henderson come into the team, which Look, I'll give Henderson his credit. He came in <coughs> and he gave that little bit of energy mm. and spark. Not necessarily creativity, but he gave that little bit of, well, come on, we're going to chase here. We're going to push here. We're going to move this ball. And I just, that's harsh on Bellingham. Because I just, yeah. something just after the sh- the shackles came off game one, game two, the shackles went back on. And yeah, it is, it's exactly like, you called it. It's halfway through that England game. You turned around and said, this is Scotland. You're a 2020. This is just four points. Just don't of lose. The That's just don't lose. Southgate, don't lose, yeah. It and was he-
2: make sure that you get into that final game in pole position. Yeah. And then but that all depends on what happens tonight. After today, we could be going, oh, it's a genius decision. to yeah, yeah. be So negative against the US, secure a point, fish top of the group. I think US, I think I think Iran will, be, Iran will beat US mm. uh, tonight. I do as
3: well. I, I, think, I
2: th- This US side, I was really impressed with them against England, more than I thought I would be. <laughs> I just think it's too early for them. They've got some really good young players. I've said this about a few teams, but I actually think <laughs> in four years' time they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Well, I, um,
0: I, I just look at all but, these teams that we've, we've spoken about who've got these olden generation, and you talk about Wales there, it's one last go for those hmm. guys. You talk about Uruguay at the moment with Lovie Suarez. It's one last go. It's one last go at the OK Corral for Belgium. Belgium. There's too many teams with these... Mm. Costa Rica. There's too many teams with these older boys on the team who this is one last go. And it kind of... Where does that leave them in four years' time? Compare that to the USA. They've got four years of building. Mm. They've got a World Cup on home soil. It's going to be a young squad. They're only going to add to that talent base as well. It could be fascinating where they're at compared to the likes of your Wales is compared to your likes of, I'm not saying Uruguay because they have talent coming through anyway, but you might see a little bit of switch up in those teams who are joining the likes of the United States in the
2: World uh, yeah. Cup. So I, right. I think England will win yeah. the group. I think they'll go through and I think Iran will finish behind them. Yeah, I think, I think um, Netherlands will win the group, but yep. I'm not very scared of them as, as a team. <laughs> I don't really mind who we play out of Senegal and Ecuador. I think both will be difficult opponents. I I think I'd rather play Senegal. Yes. Ecuador, they they play really well against Netherlands. I think those wing-backs in their team offer a lot of threat to any team. Um, And I'd be more nervous, I think, playing against them than Senegal. Senegal look like they're they're missing Sadio Mane a lot in that attack. There's a hole it, in that team, yeah. Yeah, there is a hole in that team. They are—they have many great players and, and are also a threat, but not as big a threat no. as Ecuador, in my opinion.
0: No, I agree with you there. I mean, after all, in my optimal prediction, I had Qatar going through, so what yeah. do I know? I didn't uh, going out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, plus are not winning million? Yeah. Uh, and, though that's all about the Octa Challenge. Uh, the million, sorry, there is the Octa Challenge. For, oh my word, get your words out. It's been one day off. The Octa Challenge over on the analyst.com We are going to run through the three questions that we have posed for the England game today against Wales. So let's see how this one rolls out. Question one, as ever for every game at the tournament, how will England versus Wales end? Not in a bloodbath in Tenerife. Mm. Though.
2: Um, <laughs> no chairs wrapped around heads yeah. um I I think England will win 2-0 tonight I'm just
0: going 1-0 I th- I just feel like this is going to be too nervy too frightening um I don't think Kane scores I think it's someone else in the team you you know it's going to be something like a Foden scoring or something like that just to really be like hello I'm just going to add to the narrative of this <coughs> don't mind it. uh mm. we mentioned earlier on about Gareth Bale and uh, how he had the, little impact in Wales's last game against Iran. So, how many touches will Gareth Bale have in this game? The top of our slider for this one, I did check this one out. 50 plus maximum, which feels
2: optimistic, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, he's had under 40 in both his games so far. I think he'll, they'll have even less of the ball tonight. I, I, I reckon 32 tonight for Gareth Bale. That is obviously, there's no evidence or, or basis to that. It's just a number I plucked from the sky,
0: <laughs> which is all how the best works on the alter yeah. challenge. Uh, I do, I can see if this game slips away from Wales, he'll get subbed off with 20 minutes to go, and it will be a 10, 20, mi- say it's 3 0 or something like that, and it will be a thanks, Gareth. There's your moment. That's sh- and then Ramsey will follow about five minutes later. Well done, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Good effort. Well done. I can just see that. So I'm curtailing myself. I reckon, I reckon 28 today. I reckon it's a. It's quite a low amount of touches for Bale. He will be starved, and he's not played three games in how many ever days for quite a while. So, uh, and finally, will England accumulate more or less than one point five overall expected goals in this game?
2: Yes, I think they'll have a penalty, so uh, yeah, I, I think that will help. But I think they'll, I think they'll put on a, a decent performance tonight. I think that the, the players will be fired up for this one, obviously being against Wales. I don't think they'll come in underestimating Wales. No. Like maybe previous editions of this England team may have done. Um and I, I think that yeah, they'll be looking to put on a, a, a good performance tonight, so I think they'll do it. I hope they do.
0: Um I'm going no. I think this is I still think this is cagey. I just I just don't think Wales are gonna set up to try and leave Gareth Bale with one moment to make it a one nil or a one one game. That's what I see. Um maybe it'll open up as it moves on, but who knows. Right then, that's all for you over on theanalyst.com where you can take on the Opta Challenge as well as read all our reviews and previews for each and every game at the World Cup and loads of other great content on top of that including our interactive metrics and stat subs that are well worth uh, going into. For those who don't know, congratulations to Pete McKee for the man who builds all this wonderful stuff for us, worth mentioning that him and his partner have just had their second child um, uh, but it's really nice for him to, you know, time is paternity leave for the middle of a World Cup. That's he proper. Knew what he, was doing. he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Good man, but congratulations to the the family as well. Right then, from all us here, thanks very much for watching, whether you've been on Twitch, YouTube or Twitter, or of course, if you have been listening to the podcast, really appreciate you joining us for this mammoth episode. Uh, We'll be back same time again tomorrow, hopefully either 12 or 1 GMT, depending on when we can get guests, as we will be for the rest of the week as we begin to roll onto the final stage of group stage matches, and of course, those all important knockout games as well. But for now, on behalf of Matt and I and all our brilliant guests today, thanks very much for listening and watching, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.